Do you like the show and you want to help support us? Do you want us to stay ad-free? Do you want extra episodes every month? Of course you do. Then head over to patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. Become a Patreon supporter of this very show. Greetings, programs, and welcome back to another edition of the Nerd Cave Retro Show. And my name is Jason Robbins. And my name is Derek Diamond. And it is the uh, hot, sweaty summer edition of the Nerd Cave Retro, because I think the sun is trying to kill us. Not like the volleyball scene from Top Gun. Yeah. I mean, kind of <laughs> like that, but minus, you know, the minus the abs. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I, I don't. I have an ab. That's what I have. An ab. Well, yeah. you're you're doing much better than I am. <laughs> but no, it, it's been it's summer's in full force here in the southeast. I know we're not from the exact same area, but we both might as well feel be. that un, unforgiving uh, southeastern humidity. Yeah, I'm like it, it's it's in full force, man. I'm scared to see what my electric bill is going to be next month because my poor air conditioner has been running nonstop for like two straight weeks now. Well, it has to be otherwise. And I know you live in an apartment, so it's got to be even worse than than what I deal with. Yeah, and it's a two bedroom townhouse, too. So the top floor is always 20 degrees hotter. And plus, yeah. I have these two giant sliding glass doors. Um, upstairs mm-hmm. and downstairs because I have a patio outside the bedroom upstairs and it faces um, the west. So from about two in the afternoon until the sun goes down over the horizon, it's just getting pelted with um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just disrespect. Respectful sunshine, <laughs> just killing my apartment. You're essentially baking. Yeah, pretty much. What you're doing. So right now, I have not only do I have the big long, uh, um, what do you call them, the the blinds. I have blackout mm-hmm. curtains and sheets up to try and keep out some of the heat. Yeah, it's it's nuts. I don't hey, like. It. I remember one time back when I lived in my first apartment, I had went to go visit my parents. Like one afternoon, I came back home. This is in the summer. <laughs> my AC broke, oh. and when I got back, it was over ninety degrees Ugh. in my apartment. So I, I called maintenance to have them come fix it, and then I just had to go like walk around the mall for a couple of hours just because it was unbearable to be in that entire apartment. Yeah. Uh, it's so gross. I don't want to live here anymore. I want to move to Alaska or maybe Antarctica, somewhere, you know, nice oh, and man. cold. Canada. Right? I mean, I've said it before. I'll move to Canada. I like hockey. I like donuts. I like beer, yeah. you know, bacon sandwiches, all that good stuff. Poutine. Poutine is awesome. Uh, Nerd Cave Retro is going north of the border. Uh, so anything you else you want to you need to talk about before we move into the news for this episode? Uh not really. Nothing too out of the ordinary uh, has happened this week. So it it's been 
It's been pretty uneventful. Yeah. I, I've got some things to talk about with my show, but I'll save that for the end. Yeah, I got I got some stuff uh, that I want people to watch too. A YouTube video just dropped today, featuring yes. me and uh, a friend of mine. So uh, I'll save that for the end of the show. And also, before we go into the news, I do want to say if you haven't listened to the the Double Dragon commentary yet, you can still listen to it. It's uh, it's been made public on the Patreon page at Patreon.com/slash/NerdCaveRetro. Um, and go take a listen and decide whether or not you want to throw us a buck a, uh, or two a month or three or five if, you, if you're feeling froggy and help keep us over that $50 limit and uh, you get to listen to those at least once a month. And if you like to just torture us with bad movies, that's another way to you know do it. I mean, you can torture us once a month for like you know a dollar. How, how often can you torture people with an hour and a half of awful movies? once a month for a dollar exactly i'll have to check the poll i'll do that before we wrap up the show but i did post a poll on patreon for them to vote on what our next commentary will be last i saw street fighter was in the lead that's a bad one but i mean it's not i don't think it's as bad as double dragon no it's, it's not it's probably at least watchable I, from what I remember, I think Street Fighter will be the fun type of bad. Yeah. Double Dragon was not the fun type of bad. Rampage says Masters of the Universe. Dude, I would watch Masters of the Universe a hundred times in a row before I ever watch Double Dragon again. Should have thrown that in the poll. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> watch Dolph Lundgren at his, at his 80s greatest. Uh, I'll throw that on the next one. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's go ahead and move into the news, shall we? Let's do it. This email came from uh, I Am The Rampage himself. Sony files a patent to enable game emulation across PS1, PS2, PS3 titles via streaming. Sony has filed a patent in Japan that allows a console. Oh, this is from PSU.com. Sorry, I forgot to say that. Sony has filed a patent in Japan that allows a console to enable game emulation across PS1 to PS3 titles. Um, the patent was filled this year and shows what clearly looks like PS1, 2, and 3 being emulated onto a separate screen via cloud gaming, which would presumably be PlayStation Now. And if we look at the translation of the tweet with text from Japanese patent, it reads as follows. A large number of game titles across PS1 and 2 and 3 uh, and various generations of game consoles can be stored and used via the cloud gaming library. These games can be run on virtual machine that mimics the operating system associated with each game console. Uh, and it goes on to show some of the patent um, diagrams and stuff, which it's all in Japanese. But, you know, just basically is just saying that they're allowing emulation at this point. And uh, I think they're going to do it themselves. Which, hey, Nintendo, take note. <laughs> this is how you're supposed to do it. Well, I mean, that's the thing is, you know, we talk about playing emulators online and how you know, at times we feel guilty about it because we like to buy the physical copy before we'll play it digitally. Yeah. yeah. But to me, every, every company, Sony, Microsoft, and especially Nintendo why not just do it yourselves? Mm -hmm. Why not do the exact same thing? And that appears to be what Sony is doing here. I mean, it's it's a smart step. I mean, it's 
yeah, it's, it's the most logical thing to do, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, because you look at games that people should be able to play, don't have access to unless they use a ROM, like, say, Panic Restaurant or Little Samson. You know, I don't have $900 to plop down on Little Samson just to play it. Do you? No. I don't. I mean, why not just let us play it via cloud service with every single Nintendo, you know, NES, Super Nintendo, GameCube, you know, every single old title that we're allowed to play, even if I have to pay a subscription for it. If I had to pay, you know, $10 a month for it, that's easy money, Nintendo. Like, I'm ready to give you my money for that. That's what Nintendo's service should be right now. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, it kind of is, but they just don't update it consistently enough. Yeah. I mean, how hard is it to make a, a subscription game cloud service with... Because it's not like those games take a, a lot of room. You know, like no. most Nintendo games are what, like a megabit, sometimes less for the entire game. I mean, really, I mean, you could fit the entire NES library on like a two gig thumb drive and still yeah. have room left over. I mean, I don't know. That's just me. That's what it, I, I don't understand why Nintendo doesn't want our money. Well, I mean, I could sum it up in two words what this whole thing is, and that's easy money. Yeah, and it, it makes it'd be easy says, money if Nintendo did that. Something about those cartridges, you know, like and I agree. I love having cartridges myself, but I like I said, I don't have nine hundred dollars to drop down on Panic Restaurant and stuff like that. Like I just, I'd, I'd something like that. Like I would rather just play over a cloud service. Yeah. Uh, maybe one day they'll. They'll get their head out of there, you know what. Yeah. And Staff but, Sergeant sent us the, ne uh, the next uh, story to today, but I had already had it in the, the docket, but I'm going to give him credit for it since he, he emailed it to us. I'm going to need to take a deep breath on this one. <laughs> this comes to us from NintendoLife.com. Nintendo officially unveils the LEGO NES console, and it launches next month. It's official, Nintendo has confirmed that the LEGO NES console is indeed the real deal. It will launch on August 1st, priced at, uh, assume that's 209 pounds, mm -hmm. which is 229.99 US dollars, and will remain exclusive to LEGO retail stores for the remainder of the year. Uh, from 2021, it will also be available at other leading retailers. So essentially what it is... It's a brick-built NES, which is packed with realistic details, including an opening slot for the game pack with a locking function and a controller with a connecting cable and plug. The console comes with a buildable retro TV featuring a flat 8-bit Mario figure on the scrolling screen, plus an action brick to scan with Lego Mario, which I believe you get with the starter set, which is separately. Uh, so he reacts to the on-screen enemies, obstacles, and power-ups, just like in the Super Mario Brothers game. I want this <laughs> in the worst kind of way. I want it too, but I don't. I'm not dropping two hundred and thirty dollars for this. No, I mean it's got to come down at some point. I think, but man, the video of it looks so freaking cool. Mm -hmm. So freaking cool. Like, I, I'm 
I'm going to build up the, I am going to get the Lego sets, but I'm going to get them over time. Like I'm going to start with the starter set and then eventually I'll get all the other ones. And at some point I'll definitely get this too, but I'm hoping that by the time it comes out in all retail stores that they'll drop the price a bit. I don't even need the whole thing. I just want that uh, Super Mario Brothers Lego cartridge. Right? It's so cool. (laughs) <laughs> no, it it looks freaking great. Like the the NES, like it looks so detailed. The TV's really cool. Comes with a controller, like all of it. Like it just looks really, really freaking cool. I really want this, but man, that price point is just that's a little out of my reach. Two hundred thirty bucks. I mean, that's just I could get a, a second Switch for that much. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, Rampage says, I don't think it'll drop in price for many years. Look yeah. how the mini consoles are doubled in price because they got bought up. Yeah. That's true. Uh, and for our next story, this is also from NintendoLife.com. A sealed copy, a 9.4 uh, graded Super Mario Brothers, just sold for $114,000. Only $114,000? Only. Uh, a super rare sticker sealed copy. Uh, Super Mario Brothers on NES sold for $100,150 last February. February, Another copy of the exact same game in a similar uh, condition has now broken the record, going for a sum of $114,000. That makes it the most expensive video game ever sold. Um, Why did it go for more? Uh, apart from its sealed state and 9.4 out of 10 grade, it's all to do with the cardboard hang tabs. Heritage Auctions explain the appeal and history of these variants underneath the listing. Um, and I remember uh, seeing stuff about this too, because the uh, it says, the, what's the deal with car- cardboard hang tabs? Cardboard hang tabs were originally used on the U.S. test market copies of black box games back before plastic was used to seal each game. As Nintendo began to further establish their company in the U.S., their packaging was updated almost continuously. Strangely, the addition of the plastic wrap came before the box-cutting die was altered to remove the cardboard hang tab. This rendered the functionality of the cardboard hang tab completely useless since it was under a plastic seal. Um, And there are three... There are four sub-variants of the plastic-sealed cardboard hang-tab box. This particular copy of Super Mario Brothers being the three-code variant that were produced within the span of one year. Each sub-variant of the cardboard hang-tab black box produced within that time frame had a production period of just a few months, a drop in the bucket compared to the title's overall production run. In short, a cardboard hang-tab copy of an early Nintendo Entertainment System game brings a certain air of vintage vintage unrivaled by its successors. It's always interesting how little details like that, when you it comes to grading things like video games or comic books, how little details like that can just make all the difference when it comes to how much they go for. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. I start. I look back on some of the old uh, black box games I have, the complete in, in box, and they have that cardboard hang tab that pulls out of the cardboard itself that it hangs on, mm-hmm. and then they stop doing that after a while, and it was just a you know just a box like smooth back on it. I never noticed that until this stuff started to pop up. 
I feel like I sound like a bit of a broken record when I say this, but it's not that I would love to have you know the money to buy this. I would love to be able to have the money to say I could buy it if I wanted to. Yeah. <laughs> like if like I just like yeah I could throw down a hundred and fourteen grand yeah. on a on a nine point four graded video game. Yeah, like no. if I wanted to like just be able to say yeah I could do that if I wanted. And for something to be in this condition, I've listened to a couple other podcast talking about it these have to be from sealed boxes that were never opened like that were just like found in a a, you know like a warehouse somewhere because there's no Mm. way it would be in that condition after 35 years without being like inside of a of another like still sealed box straight from the factory oh yeah and uh sergeant sketch yeah um, he said he didn't even know that Super Mario Brothers was purchasable, purchasable as a standalone. Like, yeah, it was, it was purchasable because back then they they had the action set which came with Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt, and then they had just the the control deck that you could buy that that didn't come with a game. That's why they sold Super Mario Brothers separately. Um, I have a copy of Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt both separate um, on two separate cards. And I also have like two or three copies of the Super Mario Brothers with Duck Hunt on the same cart. They're they're pretty much a dime a dozen. I mean, you can, they're very easy to find, but something in this condition that looks like it could go hang on the you know like fresh out of a factory box like that's just that's pretty rare. Yeah. Well, speaking of rare, our last story comes nice to us segway. from. <laughs> nice, yeah. Uh, This comes to us from GameSpot.com. Nintendo Switch Pro Controller back at Amazon with rare discount. The Nintendo Switch has been difficult to find for months now, but even if you already have one, you might be aware that accessories, namely first-party controllers, have also been in short supply. Joy-Cons and the great Nintendo Switch Pro Controller go in and out of stock almost as much as the console itself. If you've been looking for a Pro Controller to use while your Switch is docked, you can snag one for a discounted price at Amazon and Walmart right now. Both retailers have the Nintendo Switch Pro Controller available for $59 down from $70. The Pro Controller is our favorite first-party Nintendo Switch controller. It's the best traditional gamepad you can buy for the Nintendo Switch. It features stellar ergonomics, great buttons and triggers, HD rumble, NFC support for Amiibo, and a gyro sensor for motion controls. The controller charges through USB-C and runs for approximately 40 hours on a full charge. So me personally, if I'm playing my Switch, I normally just have the Joy-Cons attached to the side uh-huh. and just play it you know, in handheld style. But for certain games, I'll especially throw out Breath of the Wild. Oh, yeah. yeah. It looks so much better playing it on a TV, and the Pro Controller is great. Uh-huh. It's been expensive but to me it's worth it and if you can find it while it's at a discounted price and you want a switch i would highly recommend that you get it yeah especially if you like playing games like you know the resident evil type games and stuff uh any kind of game that looked better playing up on the tv like you said breath of the wild i like playing uh mario kart up on the on the television too saying i i love my pro controller for that type of stuff Mario Odyssey is another good one too. Yeah, definitely. And like all your major Switch titles definitely look better on on an actual TV. They look I'm, great still on the the handheld portion, but 
I would love and, to play a Metroid, uh, you know, a new Metroid game up on the big TV if Nintendo's listening. <laughs> we know they listen. Yeah, we know. We, yeah, they we're exclu- We're their exclusive podcast. They listen to us all the time. <laughs> <laughs> oh um, man! But uh, but let's go ahead and move into this month in video game history. In July of 1982, Timex Sinclair releases a modified ZX81 in the U.S. as the TS-1000. It's the first sub-$100 home computer. Anything sub-$100 is almost unthinkable. That doesn't even... It's not even like a full computer. It looks like a a speaking spell or something. (laughs) Almost like... um... Like it be related to Mr. Spell from yeah. Toy Story. Yeah, exactly. Maybe that's why it's sub $100. Yep. On July 15th, 1983, Nintendo releases the family computer, a.k.a. the Famicom console in Japan. Shortly after its release, complaints begin to surface about rampant system instability, prompting Nintendo to issue a product recall and to re-release the machine with a new motherboard. It would later be released worldwide as a little-known console called the Nintendo Entertainment System. Yes. Or as I like to call it, the NES. The NES. Uh, Let's see. And and uh, Super Nintendo is the SNES. I think uh, Rampage is making fun of us because he said, Oh, do they look better on the TV now? Thanks for running it in, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Don't Uh, be a jackass in my my chat room. In other breaking news, yeah. it's hot in the South. <laughs> uh, let's see, where was I? July of 1985, Sega releases Hang On by Yu Suzuki and AM2 in Japan. It is the first Sega of Sega's superscalar games. Its motorbike cabinet is controlled using the body, starting a... Uh, what is that? Ta- Talkin'? Talkin'? Or Tyken? Tyken? I have no idea what that means. A uh, trend of motion-controlled hydraulic cabinets and arcades some two decades before motion controls become popular on video game consoles. I know we've talked about this game a few times, not yeah. just with gaming history, but I feel like it's been mentioned on occasion. Oh, I I love um, playing Hang On in the, the arcade back in the day. That was a good game. Oh, and... Rampage said it was because uh, he only has the Switch Lite. Well, whose fault is that? (laughs) There is a gigantic spider on my wall, so I hope he doesn't jump on me until I can get up to take him outside. Welcome to the South. (laughs) Who knows? It might have uh, radioactive powers. Yeah, maybe. Well, you know, we're the Australia of the South, so we have bugs there. Pretty much. In July of 1986, 10 years after Atari's breakout, Taito releases Arachnoid, which adds power-ups and unique levels and generally reinvigorates the concept. Arkanoid, not Arachnoid. Arkanoid. You're, you're thinking spiders was, now. Yeah, you, you got me thinking <laughs> of spiders. Uh, did you ever play Arkanoid for the, the regular Nintendo? Because it was one of the only games that came with its own um, controllers with the game itself. It was the only game you could use those controllers on too. 
I did not, but I remember you mentioning that controller because I want to say we talked about this around this time last year. I'm sure. I'm sure those are pretty hard to find these days. Yeah. Uh, let's see, July 27th of 1990, Nintendo releases Dr. Mario for three Nintendo platforms. I love Dr. Mario. I know a lot of people hate it or don't like it. Man, I love Dr. Mario a lot. That's one of my Why go-tos would- when I just I, I don't know what to play. I'll just sit and play Dr. Mario on the Switch. Why would you not like Dr. Mario? I've heard a lot of people say they don't like it. They just like Tetris. I mean, it's the same thing. I I don't know. That makes no sense to me. (laughs) That makes zero sense. It's practically the same game. July 5th of 1994, Capcom releases Darkstalkers. Ooh, Darkstalkers. I like like that logo. It was known in Japan as Vampire. Hmm. A series of 2D fighting games developed and published by Capcom beginning with Darkstalkers, The Night Warriors. I'm trying to remember this game, but there's no screenshots, so I don't have any reference. It also included an anime miniseries, an American cartoon series, a Canadian comic book series, and many books of various kinds and other media released only in Japan. Sounds really familiar, but I don't... Yeah. I might have to look this up. Oh, uh, Sergeant Sketch throws in on July 16th of 1981, Sergeant Sketch is born. Yeah. Sergeant Sketch is born. So happy happy, birthday. happy early birthday, my yeah. friend. <laughs> What's the day? Uh, the Today 15, is the 15th. Oh, so it's tomorrow. Happy birthday, uh, Staff yeah. Sergeant Sketch. Everyone yeah. wish him a happy birthday. If I had one of those fancy birthday whistles, I would blow it right now. Here we go. Let me play this right here. Hold on. Uh That was for you. <laughs> Love it. Hold on. You blow it. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, two more. We've got July 14th of 1998. Nintendo releases F-Zero X for the N64 in Japan. I never played this one. I didn't either. I did play the one for the GameCube. And it was ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but I do like the F Zero games. Yeah, the ones I, that I've played. I still love the Super Nintendo version. That was still that was one of the first games I had for the Super Nintendo. Was oh F-Zero. yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah. And finally, on July twenty sixth of nineteen ninety nine, Nintendo releases Mario Golf for the N sixty four in North America. Did you ever play any of the Mario sports games? No, not really. I've never been a sports game kind of person. Like the last uh, real sports game that I played and enjoyed was NFL Blitz. Oh, that game was fun. That game was fun. That was like the uh the PlayStation uh the PlayStation version of uh Tecmo Bowl pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, I never played Mario Golf. I did like Mario Tennis quite a bit though. Yeah, I played that for both the N64 and the Game Boy Color. And Mario Tennis was the game that introduced Waluigi yeah. as a character. I still have my original black box uh, golf game, but I've mm-hmm. never I've played it a little bit, but I'm just I'm just not into sports games at all. It depends on the game. Like I can play a football game. But most other ones I, I can't do. I used to love the uh, 2K. Hockey games. Remember NHL 2K and, and mm-hmm. the 2K games? I used to love those. Those were really fun. 
Yeah, I only played them very briefly, but what I did play of them, I liked. Yeah, they were they were more arcadey, and that's why I liked them. Uh, yeah. yeah, NBA Jam. I used to play that in the arcade, but I, ne- yep. I never played it um, at, on any of the home versions of it. When I went to Houston a few years ago, we went to this uh, bar slash arcade. They had a lot of like retro, um, like retro arcade cabinets. You had like Simpsons, you had Ninja Turtles. They had NBA Jam. Oh yeah, and we played that for quite a while. So NBA Jam, yeah, NBA was, a Jam good was fun. Yeah, that was a fun game. There was another one, Arch Rivals. That's what I was trying to think of. There was another one that was sort of like the precursor to NBA Jam. There was one called Arch Rivals. That was mm-hmm. a basketball game that was sort of like that. I used to play that a little bit, but like I said, I was never huge into um, sports video games. If you count wrestling games, I like the ones for N64 and early PlayStation. Yeah. But the, the most recent ones, I, I have not liked. I'm ready to play that Retromania wrestling. They need to hurry up and release that. I know. I'm, I'm stoked for it. Oh, it looks so good. Yeah. But, um, before we go into the review tonight, as usual, Derek has some shout outs. Yeah. So as always, we like to give a shout out to our awesome patrons over at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro. We want to shout out Armez Jackson, Axeblade07, Daniel Salmon, John Jekyll, a.k.a. Mixmaster, Carlos Longoria, Staff Sergeant Sketch, and Randy Bailey. Thank you guys so much for keeping the lights on for us here in the Nerd Cave Retro Studios. And because you got us back up to that $50 level, we will do a bonus episode featuring our really fun movie commentary as we recently did Double Dragon. Um, we'll be doing another one later this month, depending on the result of the Patreon poll. So you'll have that to look forward to. And if you want to be a part of our Patreon, if you want to decide what bonus episode we do head on over to patreon.com slash retro and tonight i'm going to be talking about Curse of the Moon 2, Bloodstained Curse of the Moon 2, brings classic 2D action and a dark 8-bit aesthetic together with modern playability. The multiple scenario structure of the previous title returns with an epic new story supervised by IGA uh, Koji Igarashi himself. Um, Players take control of Zengetsu. A swordsman from the Far East who bears a deep grudge against demonkind and the alchemists who summon them. Zengetsu must battle his way to the demonic stronghold, but he doesn't have to do it alone. He can ally himself with a brand new cast of characters that meets along the way and add them to the playable roster. Um, I had to actually go back and listen to uh, what I had to say about the first game. And uh, I gave it a 10, a solid 10. And I remember remember how much I enjoyed that game. Uh, I remember I beat it in like three hours and then immediately turned around and played through it again because the way the game ends is spoilers. Uh, the main characters in Getsu, you basically have to, you you get these three characters along the way 
And each character has their own different kind of ability. And it's kind of based more on... The first game is based more on kind of the Castlevania 3 sort of uh, scenario. Um, and your your extra characters are... I don't remember their names right now. But I remember the there was a female with horns that you could get. And she had a whip and she could slide. And she was more of the kind of traditional... Um, you know, Simon or a Belmont character, uh, and you had your uh, your wizard who had really strong attacks, but he had a really small life bar. And then, of course, you had your um, he wasn't Alucard, but he was basically Alucard. <laughs> and I and I Gabel, I think his name was. Um, basically, he was a vampire uh, or half vampire, and he could turn into a bat. That was his uh, secondary power. And I loved that first game. I went through, uh, and Zangetsu, you have to go and rescue him through the second scenario of the game. Um, and it pretty much just, <clears throat> it's it kind of, it's almost like, um, like I said then, it's almost like uh, Ghosts and Goblins, where you get through the, the end of the game, and then it's like, uh, no, you're not finished yet. You have to go through again a second time. Um, and I was okay with that because the, the game was great. I love the first game. Can't recommend it enough. I had no idea they were even coming out with a part two and it just dropped out of nowhere this last weekend. And of course I had to drop $15 on it because I was saving my $20 in, uh, Nintendo gift cards, um, waiting for something that I just absolutely had to have. And this was it. I absolutely had to have it. And started playing it, and it's pretty much more of the same. Uh, it's the same gameplay, same kind of storyline where, you know, you go through, you pick up your extra characters that help you along the way. Um, it's a lot of platforming. It's very Castlevania-inspired. But I don't, I didn't enjoy this one as much as I enjoyed the first one. And I think a lot of it had to do with I didn't enjoy playing the secondary characters as much as I did in the first game because some of your secondary characters, and I'm trying to remember everybody's name. Um, let's see, what characters? Let's see here. Let me pull that up. Uh, Dominique, that's her name. Uh, she is your, your first secondary character that you pick up, and she is uh, sort of like your healer. And she's got a uh, um, she's got a pole arm, and she has healing uh, secondary healing abilities. And another, but the bad thing is, she I never really liked using her for anything. She's pretty much useless except for being able to heal up your other characters. Um, she has a really small life bar. She's kind of squishy. Um, then of course you have Robert, who is your ranged character this time. He's a human, but he has a sh uh, a shotgun. And he's really good to use for, like I said, ranged attacks because you're going to be doing that a lot in this game. But the bad thing is, is he's got a tiny life bar too. And then your third character is Hachi, which is a mech being controlled by a corgi. <laughs> if, that, if that makes any sense. I'm um, all in already. And you sold me at that. That one, I between him and Zangetsu were the two characters I used the most because Hachi actually, his secondary ability is like f six to seven seconds of invincibility. 
um, depending on how much of your uh, mana or whatever it is that you have. And I used him a lot to get through areas that I was just tired of trying to platform through with so much going on. I would just turn on the invincibility and just try to get through as much of it as fast as I could before the invincibility ran out. So between him and Zangetsu, those were the two characters I used the most. But like I said, the original game, I felt like there was more balance between the four characters. Um, I tended to be able to use the characters in a way where I got used to the way they moved, their their different attacks and things like that. But this game, I didn't use the other characters enough to really <coughs> get used to like, like Dominique has a, a a really she has the the longest jump in the game. Robert has the shortest, and and Hachi has a hover ability that you can hover for a few seconds. And Zangetsu is sort of like your all round character, but I never played the other characters enough to really get used to how they played. Mm-hmm. So you know it's. Like I said, it, it's more of the same, and if you like the first game, you're going to like this one. But it's, it took me two hours just to get through the final boss because it just so much stuff going on. It's like almost like they... Maybe people complained that the first game was too easy, which I didn't think it was too easy. I felt it was just right. It was enjoyable. It was a challenge, but it was enjoyable. This one was a little more aggravating with some of the platforming that you had to do um and so, uh, like I, and the like the final boss was like a three three phase boss fight and it just I, it took me 2 hours just to get through that final boss and by the time I was done you know at, with the first game soon as I was done I was ready to go through it again immediately this one, as soon as I was done with the with the final boss fight, it's just like the first game. I'm not going to say who because I don't want to spoil anything, but one of your characters goes away and you have to rescue them by going through the, the game again. As soon as I got done with the final boss, I was like, I got to put this down for a few days, man. Like, this just <laughs> wore me out. So do you feel like you mentioned that this one is more of the same like compared to the first one, is there enough to make it feel like not exactly the same thing? So like, is there enough that's different to make it almost like a fresh experience? Not really. I mean, it really no. does. It's really is like they didn't change a like. I mean, like a, there's there's a whole new like you know game to go through, but it doesn't feel different enough. From the first game, it just feels like they cranked up the difficulty to the point where it, it got to be not fun after a while. Well, that's unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, I still like the game. Don't get me wrong. I love that, you know, because I love Castlevania games, and this game has just given me more of that. But honestly, I just like the first game better. And I'm not going to say don't get it, but... I. Honestly, if you love the first game, I mean, if you want to go ahead and get it and play it, you might feel differently than me but and love it just as much as the first game. But honestly, I, I would probably wait till it went on sale to get it, it you know. Wait, because I remember after you reviewed the first one, I got it. 
and I really enjoyed it. And I was, you know, I still plan on doing it because I've been looking for something new to play on the Switch because I've beaten, you know, I went through and played Sonic Mania again. I played through Link's Awakening again. So mm-hmm. I've been looking for something new to play on the Switch, you know, after I finish up with Paper Mario. So uh, this would be one that, you know, I'll still likely get it because I did really like the first one. Yeah. But I, I'm I'm curious, you know, now that I've heard your thoughts on it, I, I'm curious to, to see what I'll think of it. Yeah. And like, it's not bad at all. But having played the first game and loved it so much, I think I expected too much from it. And really, mm-hmm. it's just, like I said, it's just more of the same. But I just don't like the secondary characters as much. But that's the thing. Going through the second part of the game, I know I'm going to go back through it and you get the original characters, secondary characters, back. So your second playthrough, you're going to have seven characters to play. But like I said, I was just so beat mentally by the time I got done with the final boss. I was just like, man, I got to set this down for a few days. I wasn't immediately ready to go back and play through it again. I mean, that's interesting because, you know, we talk about sequels that will add just enough to make it a, a different experience than the original. So it's not like you're playing the exact same game. Yeah. But it, it does sound like, you know, from what you're saying, that it might be too similar. Yeah. Other and than, I, like, the ra- the ramped up difficulty. Honestly, I would rather have had them uh, keep the original secondary characters, but just give me maybe a longer experience, maybe... Not necessarily Castlevania 2, but give me more of a, like maybe a a spiritual successor to Castlevania 2, where it would be more of a, uh, like an RPG-ish type experience, where you go through it and, and have to find certain things or, and, and still get the secondary characters that I got in this game, but it like, it just it didn't feel as balanced between the characters as the first game did. Yeah, some of the characters just the like those two characters, Robert and um, uh, what did I say her name was again? I done forgot. Um, Dominique. I can't remember either. Yeah, Dominique. Yeah. They're just way too squishy. Like you need to have you know another. Yeah, you know, I I wouldn't mind it if if Robert wasn't so squishy because he's a he's a ranged character. They're supposed to be squishy. But Dominique is, you know, a warrior type of character, but a healer. But like I, like I said, she didn't really have that great attacks and she was very squishy. So I barely used her for anything. And her jump was way too wonky. <laughs> I, I I hated using her for the uh the platforming because it was so hard to control where she was going to go. It was almost like like Luigi in Super Mario Brothers 2 where it was like you couldn't really control where he was going. He just had this really big super jump, but it was just like, "Whoa!" Yeah. you know, trying to land on stuff and it was just like way too, you know, butt puckering <laughs> for my taste during the uh, the platforming areas. It's funny you say that because there's been a Mario Brothers 2 chat going on in the Twitch chat. Yeah, I see that. (laughs) I love Super Mario Brothers 2, though. I feel like Super Mario Brothers 2 is one of the most underrated Nintendo games of all time. 
I would agree. Yeah. I would absolutely agree. I mean, that was one of our first shows we did, I think, where yeah. we actually defended that game. <laughs> he said Luigi sucked. <laughs> he didn't suck. He, he was great for some for getting over some stuff, but yeah, yeah. He, he wasn't great to use in that game. If I had to rank my four characters, he would probably be last yeah. on my list. I liked using Toad for everything myself. He was so Toad, fast. I always used Princess Toadstool just because of the floating ability. Yeah, I used her on the uh, the 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 level, the ice levels. Yeah, yeah, just use her and just float over everything. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I don't have much to say, uh, much more to say about Bloodstained: Curse of the Moon Two. If you like the first game, you're gonna like this one. But if you're like me, you're not gonna like it as much as the first one. But I do recommend it because it is, you know, that Castlevania feel. Uh, and it's more of the same. But if you've never played the first game, I highly recommend playing the first game first. Because that one was, that was a surprise hit. And I don't think they expected it to do as well as it did. And that's why we got a sequel to it. Because, mm-hmm. it, you know, people played it and was just like, man, this is... Hey, Konami, take note. This is what we've been wanting. And I, I wish, honestly, that Konami would just go to this company and say, hey, you know, you guys make these Curse of the Moon games. How about this? Just make those games, call it Castlevania, and we'll publish it for you. And I'd be like, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I'd be totally down with that. No, so, Absolutely. I won't give it a 10 like I did the first game. I still feel like the first game is, is definitely a perfect 10. This one, I'm not going to be so nice to. I'm going to give it a 7.5. Like, it's a good... That's still not bad, though. Yeah, it's a good C-plus kind of game. Yeah. I'd much rather see them... If I hope they... I really do hope this one does well and we get a third one. But with the third one, I want to see something a little bit different with it. And not so hard, man. I played it on casual and still got my ass handed to me in this game. I wanted to just have a nice experience going through the game like I did with the first one. And then once I play through it, (coughs) I can go back and play it on a higher difficulty. Because Mm -hmm. after you defeat it, then you open up nightmare difficulty. And I'm okay with that. I want to start out easy. I want to see the whole game and then go back through it on the higher difficulties. Don't start me out with, oh, you want to play casual, do you? And then start it out like nightmare mode (laughs) in casual. I don't want that. I want to actually feel, you know, powerful by the time I get to the end of these games. And this one, I didn't feel powerful like by the end of the game. I just, I felt really weak and hated some of the characters I was using. And and most of the time during that last boss battle, I just wished I had the original characters with me. It's like, man, they would have wiped the floor with this guy. Yeah. So like I said, 7.5, it's good. I mean, I do recommend it, but get the first one if you haven't played it. No, the first one's a great game. Yeah. I, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, Mixmaster asks us in the chat, have we reviewed any of the original three Mario games? Um, we've re- we've reviewed we reviewed two. 
Mario Brothers 3 was part of the debate mm-hmm. we did about which game is better, Mario 3 or Mario World. But we technically haven't reviewed the original Mario game yet. We did the the panel at Pensacon. Yeah. About the Mario franchise, but as far as like a full-on review, we've actually never reviewed the original. We've talked um, about it, but like really what can you say about the original yeah. Super Mario Brothers? Yeah. That is true. I and mean, it's everything that you could say about that game has been said. Like I yeah. I honestly I still like playing the original. I like playing the All Stars version of it. Uh I it do I like it as much as two or three? Eh, not really, but it's still it's that nostalgia of being the very first Nintendo game you ever played, you know? Yeah. No, I I don't disagree with you. So I just like I don't even know if we've reviewed the original Legend of Zelda. We haven't, or have had we? we? We may have. Yeah, I'll. I think we're gonna have I'll to look, look that back up through the archives. Yeah, I'll I'll do that real quick. Yeah, I know I did the original Star Tropics because that's always been one of my favorite games, and I've always wanted to do Star Tropics too. But I don't like that game as much as I like the first one, and. I never really finished it, or I try to start playing it and then just kind of get bored with it. But Star Tropics is something that I think actually that should be redone. The original Star Tropics. Yeah, that was. A really uh, we good have game. we have reviewed the original Legend of Zelda. Ah, okay, I thought we did. It was uh, episode seventy six, aired March nineteenth, twenty eighteen. We did a co-review of it. Yeah. And speaking of, uh, you know, how far back that was, we have an anniversary. Yeah, so this upcoming Saturday will be the four-year anniversary of the show, <laughs> which is crazy to think. Four years. That's We're coming up on half a decade. Yeah. We've... It's, uh, I still remember almost, it feels like, you know, another lifetime, but it also feels like yesterday. Like, I remember you asking me, like, hey, did, would you want to do a podcast about retro gaming? I'm like, hell yeah. Because <laughs> we had both started getting into, you know, collecting mm-hmm. uh, old games. Well, so originally, it, it, we were supposed to just do six-episode seasons. <laughs> yeah. But we had so much fun doing it, we were like, we just want to do this every week yeah. and <laughs> thankfully we have because you know i mean i know we were talking about this a couple of days ago but you know this is something that i look forward to doing every single week yeah me too you know you know is you know coming on here chatting with you about news about gaming history doing reviews and interacting with everybody in the chat is uh it's a true highlight of the week for me so yeah, I look forward to Wednesday night every week. This is the one thing I, I really look forward to doing this every week. And there's nothing I like more than talking about video games. And I I can't imagine not doing this show. I'm so glad we started this show. And we're almost episode 200, too. So I think we're going to do something special for 200. But we don't know what it is yet. We still got, like, what, three months before we hit 200? Yeah, something like that. So it'll be what August, September, somewhere around October, we'll be hitting episode two hundred, which is a great time to be have a two hundredth episode because it's going to be Halloween Horror Month. Yes, 
And you guys keep us up at the $50 level so we can do a good horror movie commentary in October. Yeah, because let's see. We've done Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm -hmm. I think we did that two years ago. Last year we did Halloween mm -hmm. with uh, with Joey Image. One and well, actually we did Halloween one and two for one episode, and then Halloween three for another uh, episode. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. We did Halloween one and two was for this show, and then we did Halloween three for my show. We should do maybe an Evil Dead retrospective. Ooh, I can get behind that. Yeah. I, I dig I like that. that. I, I I think that should be the thing this year. Let's do an no, Evil I, Dead retrospective. Even better, it would be groovy. 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 <laughs> so, uh, Sergeant Sketch says, you two made some ridiculously long drives bearable. Much appreciated. Yeah, well, we appreciate you, and thank you guys for coming here and listening to us ramble every week. We we, we couldn't do it without you guys, literally. And, yeah, and we thank could, you for putting but, up with... <laughs> Thank you for putting up with my terrible jokes. I mean, we could do it every week, but nobody would be listening to it. Yeah. It'd it would just be, be going, us having a conversation. Yeah. Be going out <laughs> into the, the void. Yeah. But, um, anything else you want to bring up before we get out of here? Yeah, we got a couple things we need to talk about before we get out of here tonight. Yeah, so uh, I got to do a really cool uh, live episode of the Derek Diamond Experience this past Sunday. I got to do a discussion about screenwriting with someone that I know both you and I owe a lot of our filmmaking um, aspirations to, and that is the great Steve Wise. Yes. He he um, helped me quite a bit with the Parker Syndrome. Not only was he an assistant director, but he helped me organize everything from logistics to uh, helping line up crew to the script. He was an invaluable help to me with that and getting to just you know actually talk shop with him because he's been on the show several times to talk about like star wars and i think he was on the show when i did my knives out review but to hear him actually like give some of his knowledge was was really cool so the video version is out on my facebook page right now at facebook.com slash d diamond podcast but uh, if you're listening to this on the download uh, the audio version will be out as well. So definitely go check that out. It, it's a fun chat. Yeah, and the dude wrote a, a, a Batman script for Warner Brothers that yeah. was going to be made until they decided to scrap it and go with Christopher Nolan's uh, Batman series. So that if that's cool. Yeah. And you can actually, you can buy it. On Amazon, the actual uh, the uh, unproduced script. It's called Batman yeah, it's Dark Dark Knight. D A R K N I G H T. Yep. And it's cool. I highly recommend it. It's a good read. And you'll be helping out our friend Steve by uh, yeah. buying his script. Absolutely. Um, this week I am I I did a uh, a guest spot on a YouTube show called Dixon's Dungeon. And you can go uh, see it at his YouTube page. is called a Very Old Stereo, all one word, V-E-R-Y-O-L-D-S-T-E-R-E-O. -E -E and the show is called Dixon's Dungeon. Um, he, he does a weekly uh, show on YouTube. He's got a humongous uh, toy room. He's a toy collector. He's been collecting for his entire life. 
and he has some pretty rare stuff. And uh, it's awesome to go over there and see what he has. I actually took a bunch of stuff over there on July 4th and got to hang out with him. And I brought a bunch of stuff to get appraised. He took some stuff from me. I got some stuff that I wanted. I got the uh, the box for um, uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out. I got Gyromite in the box. I got uh, Shadows of the Empire for Nintendo 64. I uh, just traded some old toys for it, but he's got a really cool um, nerd toy room full of Star Wars toys, Star Trek, Ninja Turtles, everything you can think of. And he does a really cool weekly show where he he spotlights spotlights some of it. So I got to be on it this week and go check it out. Dixon's Dungeon, uh, very old stereo on YouTube. Give it a like. And, um, yeah, go check it out. It was, I got to watch it today, a preview of it, and it just dropped tonight. So go check it out. It's, it's a really good episode. That's what I'm going to do right after we wrap the show tonight. So looking forward to it, which I, I wanted to bring up real quick before we go. Have you heard about the new Ninja Turtles comic that's yes, coming Yes, I have. I wanted to talk to you about that before we left tonight. What uh, do you think I, about that? So, for those who don't know, there's a new Ninja Turtles comic book series that I believe the first, ep- or the not the first episode, but the first issue drops on August 19th. Mm-hmm. It's called Ninja Turtles The Last Ronin, where in this story, three of the four turtles have died. And the last surviving one fights with, you know, his deceased brother's weapons. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't been revealed who the surviving turtle is. So it's going to be interesting. Like, I think it'd actually be really cool if they don't reveal who it is for the first couple of issues. Mm-hmm. Honestly, everybody got- is speculating it's going to be Raphael, but honestly, I think that's too on the nose. I think yeah. it's going to be Mikey. And he's just, you know, he's like the happy go lucky, you know, happy turtle. And it's just, it's like one of those things that's going to break him like to lose all of his brothers and just become dark and revengey. <laughs> I think the most compelling story would either be Mikey for those reasons that you said yeah. or Leonardo. Yeah. Because as the leader, he could feel responsible for losing his brothers. And exactly. plus Leonardo's never been a dark character. Mm-hmm. So to see him take that dark turn, like with Raphael, like it would be cool. Like I like Raphael a lot, but I feel like that would be, almost too easy yeah for it to be him like just to see leonardo like snap would Mm -hmm. be really cool or michelangelo just because we know mikey as being the the happy-go-lucky never take anything serious turtle yeah but i i'm excited i'm definitely gonna get the first issue when it comes out oh yeah me too um i don't know if i may go ahead and get the issues but i would definitely want to get like a um like a compendium or you know a yeah Something along those lines, because I think that just that kind of one-off story, they're probably going to do a really nice, um, you know, compendium for it or something like that. Oh, and also, um, Kevin Gra- Eastman and I think his name's Peter Laird. Yeah, are are back to to work on the comic. So oh, that's cool. Yes. <laughs> ah, that's I saw, so cool. I saw their names, and I'm like, yep. I'm getting it. I haven't been this excited about anything about the turtles in like 15 years. I really wish they would do another live action movie made like the original turtles movie. Yeah. You know what they need to do? 
bring back the costumes, go back to the the Henson Company, remake those costumes, and just pretend that two and three didn't happen. Do what we've been doing lately, like with Halloween and all that stuff, and Terminator. Let's just pretend all these sequels didn't happen and make a direct sequel to the very first one. That would be sick. Have it bring take back place Judith now. Hogue as April O'Neil. Yeah, and you know, just have the turtles be older. Um, you know, Shredder's probably not Shredder, but uh, Splinter. You know, has passed on, and Leon, yeah. you know, Leo is like the he's the Splinter uh, now. You know, and and he's like the the one that has to keep the group together. Maybe maybe Wrath has gone off on his own. Like that sort of thing. I don't know. Bring back the shredder. He's all like, you know, mangled. And hell, even bring in Krang. I don't care. <laughs> just bring that would be awesome. Just lean into it, man. Lean into it. They got to bring Tatsu back for a cameo. Yeah. <laughs> that would was, be great. Um, Eli- what's that dude's name? Uh, Elias Cotius Co- Co- as Casey Jones. Yeah, bring him back as Casey Jones. I'm down. They would have my money before that movie was even made. I'd be like, I will pre-buy a ticket just to make sure yep. that movie gets made. That would be one that, like, as soon as we would, like, we would have to go see it at the same time and then do, like, a reaction show. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That would be awesome. Which, um, yeah, I believe this weekend you and I, along with Wally, are going to be recording a um, a retrospective of the original movie yes, for we my are. show. Absolutely. Which I'm really excited to do. I just watched it again uh, a couple of weeks ago. It still holds up, it's doesn't great. it? It's great. The movie, it's, yep. it was so dark and just so violent and just everything we wanted out of a Turtles movie. It had just enough humor. Yeah. Like the perfect amount of humor, but it had that dark feel like the comic books. Mm, I loved it. Oh, Staff Sergeant Sketch, Casey and April could have a kid that gets into some sort of trouble. Yeah? Yeah, why not? I'm down with that. Dude, dude, give we could write this. Give us money. We'll write it. Yep. <laughs> I'll I'll start the script in a heartbeat. Let me call up Wally. We'll all get in a writer's room. We'll knock yeah. out a script in like three days. Yep. Absolutely. I would love to see that. We we've we gotta have I gotta remember to we gotta have this discussion when we do the show. Oh yeah. When we'll, we do my I'll show. Remember. Like this has to be brought up. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me want to go watch it tonight. Wanna go get some pizza? And like oh, I was man. playing, don't, the, don't tempt me. I was playing uh, Manhattan Project the other day on Twitch, and I was like, you know, I don't know what it is. Every time I play a Turtles game, I want pizza. Every time. Yeah. Yeah. So from now on, whenever I know I'm gonna be uh, streaming a Turtles game, I'm just gonna buy pizza beforehand. And anybody that wants to come watch me, go get yourself a pizza, and we'll have a pizza party, and you can watch me play some Ninja Turtles. This episode of J oh. Fantastic Switch Stream brought to you by Marco's Pizza. Yes. Rampage says bring back Sam Rockwell as a former foot soldier helping the turtles. That's a good idea, man. Yep. Love it. I love it. All right, yep. we got to get out of here. We're going to be talking yep. about turtles all night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, let me pull up our notes here. What a fun episode this was. It was. Um, 
Let me pull up our music here. If you would like to email us, you can email us at nerdcaveretro at gmail.com. We're at nerdcaveretro.com. We're on Instagram and Twitter at nerdcaveretro and individually at jfunktastic and at Derek underscore diamond. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash nerdcaveretro. And of course, we are on Patreon at patreon.com slash nerdcaveretro, where you can go listen to that last episode that we did of a commentary of Double Dragon. And you can listen to it now as uh, you don't have to be a member as of now, but next one, you're going to have to give us a buck a month to listen to it. So if you can't do that, can't give us a buck a month, I understand. Times are hard. Go leave us a review wherever fine podcasts are given away for free. So, Derek, please tell them what it's all about. Calabunga. Master Blaster runs by the town.